Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. God always begins with the seed. God always gives you something in a seed form. Seed form just simply means something that seems minimal, something that seems minute, something that seems uh, uh, small. Uh, And it's so easy to disregard what God gives us or how God moves in our lives in the beginning stages. Whether you were given one talent, five talents, two talents, Uh, whatever God gives you is always in a form where you have to do something with it to see it produce. Whatever God places in your hand, he expects for you to do something with it so that it can in turn produce what you're believing for. We said this before, if you're believing for a table, God will give you a tree. Amen. God doesn't give you a table. God doesn't bless you with something in a final form, in a, in a mature state. It's up to us to take what God has, the ingredients, if you will, and to begin to plant them. But the problem is many times we bury what was designed to be planted. I said that we bury what was designed to be planted. We saw this on Easter Sunday, that Jesus was not buried in that tomb. He was planted. When you bury something, you are in remembrance of its past. But when you plant something, you're discovering its future. And so when Jesus was planted in the grave, God had an expectation of a future of you and I inhabiting this earth and advancing the kingdom and being his church, his people, his royal priesthood, a holy nation unto him. God was, that God was not holding a funeral. We were holding a funeral. The disciples were holding a funeral. They were fearful of what was to come, but God said, I'm just getting started. And so I'm here to tell you today that God's placed something in your hand that you need to be planting, and if you're burying what was designed to be planted, it will not produce the same result for you. And we're not missing the result because of what we have, we're missing the result because of how we manage it. I said we're not missing the result because of what we have, the seed has the potential, amen? When you understand potential, you understand that it's not what it looks like, but what it contains that really determines what it what it, it is, is uh, capable of doing. We're talking about capability. We're talking about not what you are today, but what you have yet to become. A seed is a tree. It's all about how you look at it. And people that understand potential manage seeds differently from those that don't. Because the seed doesn't have the potential to feed me. The seed doesn't have the potential to provide shade. The seed doesn't have the potential to give back to its environment. But it has, uh, or, or it's not in that position to do so. But within the seed is a tree that can bear fruit, is a tree that can provide shade, is a tree that can give back to its environment, is a tree that can become a table, is a tree that now has the potential to produce. And so you have to understand the difference between seeds. You have to understand the difference between what is planted and what is buried. And here in John chapter 15 and verse one, Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes 
that it may bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus is giving us an image here. We've talked about planting. We've talked about uh, taking the seed and eventually what that seed has the potential to produce. We saw last week that the seed, when it is sown, the farmer, he goes out, he sows the seed, he rests at night, he rises by day. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how the seed produces. Many times it's in the areas and, and the times where we don't know how it's happening, what's gonna take place, when it's gonna show up, that God is doing his greatest work, amen? And so, there is a trust factor. There's an element where I do my part and God will do his part. But once we begin to see that produce, once we begin to see the crop show up, once we begin to see the tree formed, now we're kind of seeing a process, if you will, a process of production. Production is a process. Production doesn't happen overnight. Uh, production is not something uh, where the expectation is immediate, but there is a growth process. If you're growing anything, there is a process to it. And I feel, you know, in our day and age, in our culture, uh, in, in all that we have available to us, we minimize this prop, we minimize this process more and more. We don't give the proper attention, the proper proper patience the proper endurance to seeing the growth take place in our lives, to seeing the blessings, the promises, your fulfillment, your maturation, allowing the process to take place means that we have to have a different expectation than what our culture tells us. Our culture tells us that we can have it as quick as we want it. Our culture can make a demand for something and we will devise systems, technology, and plans that will quicken and speed up the process. But what I want you to understand today is there are just some shortcuts that cannot be avoided. When you're talking about living out your plan of God and the purpose of God and, and seeing God's purpose fulfilled in your life, uh, there are no shortcuts to going around or avoiding uh, um, or eliminating what God has put in the process, okay? So I wanna give you that process today, just three simple steps of how we can allow the process of production to take place in our lives. Number one is planting. You have to start there. You gotta start with planting. So many times I see believers uh, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, out of maybe ignorance, maybe immaturity, uh, uh, or, or, or maybe, you know, even just an urgency, um, they want to skip the planting stage. And I'll tell you right now that planting is, is the 
most necessary stage. If we don't allow the planting, we'll never inherit the producing. If we don't allow the planting, we'll never inherit the producing. We See, planting is where the investment is made. Planting is where investment is made. And too many times we want to make withdrawals where we've never made deposits. We want to pull something out of something that we've never put anything into. Come on now. We, we want to make a withdrawal. But, but see, when God plants something in you, he deposits it in you. Let's say you're believing God for healing. Well, if you don't ever deposit the word of God uh, on healing and divine healing and have an understanding of how healing uh, is available to you and can produce uh, the promise of healing in your life, how in the world are you going to make a withdrawal? How, where are you going to draw from? I dare you right now to go to the bank tomorrow and, 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 and ask for an amount that has never been deposited and see what they say. No, when you make a demand for something that has never been deposited, it's called robbery. Hello? You, they, they call that a thief. When you demand something that was never put in. And so when we avoid the planting stage, when we avoid the investment stage, when we avoid the deposit stage, then we are avoiding the very stage where it begins. We're avoiding the very stage. You have nothing to work with until something's been planted. You have nothing to work with until something's been put in the soil. Until the seed falls, Jesus even said, unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, God would have been a thief to expect you to live according to his kingdom without, without sowing his son to make your life right so that you could live according to the kingdom. Hello? You've got to have sowing before you have reaping. We cannot skip. You cannot harvest what has not been put in the ground. You cannot have an expectation to receive from something that you have not planted. And let me say this too. Planting is where the connection happens. Planting is where the connection happens. See, when you plant that seed in the ground, it begins, if you place it in the right soil and you have the right environment and you treat it properly and you, you are watering it daily, you take care of that seed and it'll produce for you. You put that seed in the ground, it dies. It looks like it's buried. We've been talking about this for the last several weeks. Burying something and planting something may look the same, but they do not produce the same results. And so that seed goes under that pressure, goes under that soil. But what it's doing down there is it's taking root. It's taking root. Because if you have no root, you can have no fruit. If it's not locked into the soil, if it's not taking root, which is allowing it to draw nutrients and, and be nurtured by the environment, those, those root, that root system is what allows anything that the seed needs to receive. And see, sometimes we put a seed in, but we don't allow it to take root because we what? We uproot too quickly. You cannot pick something out of season and get a harvest. It's not merely a matter of, of, of just going and receiving a harvest and pulling it out of the ground. No, there's a season 
to pull it out. There's a season. And you know what I see so many people do is they uproot too soon. They uproot, they pull out right before they're on the verge of receiving what they need. I'm gonna tell you right now, the pressure is the greatest when you are the closest. I have never been in a scenario in my life and I've never seen uh, 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 someone be in a scenario in their life where they're believing God, trusting God, standing in faith, where there was never an opportunity or a, a risk or even the anticipation to uproot too soon. It's happened every single time. Even Jesus said that there was a season where his life would be laid down. His life was not taken from him. They tried to take his life and he says, what? It's not my time. There's a certain time where you pluck up, where you pull out, where you have an expectation of harvest. And I have in multiple arenas in my life, not even just in ministry, have had opportunities to quit too soon to pull out too soon, to move too soon, to go somewhere else too soon. And your ability to stay rooted is what will allow you to produce the harvest. We've got to stay rooted in the word of God. You've got to stay rooted in your stand and your test of faith. It's called a test of faith for a reason. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. He called it a fight for a reason, amen. There will be pressures, challenges, obstacles, uh, 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 things that will come against you that will make you want to quit. I'll put it this way. There will even be things that will come into your life that will make you think it's time to quit. Every single time. So you don't have to, you have to know how to stay connected. You have to know how to stay rooted through challenges, stay rooted through pressure. See, the roots go down and the deeper they go down, the more productive you will be. You know what keeps a tree standing in the midst of a storm? The root system. If you minimize the roots, you're gonna, you're gonna lose the harvest. If we don't allow those roots to go down during the planting, and see, look, the planting, there is nothing, nothing exciting about planting. There's nothing exciting uh, 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 about that whole process. In fact, you don't even see it. It's happening in a place that doesn't get, grab a lot of attention. It's happening in a place that's out of sight, out of mind. It reminds me of King David when he was out in the shepherd field. God promised him that he would be what? king over Israel. But unless he's planted where no one can see, he's never going to produce where everyone can. It's what you do in the season of planting that determines what you produce. It's what you do when no one's looking that will determine the results you produce when everyone's looking. The reason why David was able to be the man that, the, that Israel needed, the, the king that Israel needed was because he was that person before he ever got on the stage. 
He was that person before he ever got in front of anybody. He didn't wait until he became king to discover who his God is. He didn't wait until he became king to learn how to be faithful to his father and to his brothers and to the the Israelite army. He didn't wait until he became king to develop a relationship with God. He didn't wait to become, there were battles that were fought when he was being planted that nobody knew about. Battles in his mind. Battles with his brothers. Battles with a bear and with a lion. And he was able to what? He was able to draw on those opportunities when no one was looking, when he ended up on a stage where everyone was watching him fight a giant. He even told King Saul, I've got this. My God will be with me just as, just as he was with me with the bear. Just as he was with me with the lion. See, it's the planting stage that will prove God's faithfulness to you when you start producing. When the challenges come, when, 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 you, when you get into a place that God has equipped you and provided you for, you'll be able to look at times when no one saw. You'll be able to look at times that only you and God knew what was going on. You'll be able to draw back on times where he came through for you time and time again, and you'll be able to say, he did it before, he'll do it here. He was with me with the bear, he'll be with me with this giant. He was with me with the lion, he'll be with me as I go out on that battlefield. But see, all that's eliminated when we avoid the planting stage. All that is removed from the equation. And so there is a, a, a season. You know, this planting season is, is the one that we want to avoid. It's the one that we, we, we just want to get right to the tree. We just want to get right to the harvest. God, you know, you know shoot me up to, to the point in time where I'm receiving all the stuff. But there's that planting season that God uh, uh, has you go through where you have to endure. But man, what, what is placed within you in the planting season is what will hold you in the producing season. What is placed within you in the planting season is what will hold you and keep you. I can always tell when someone has a weak root system. It's obvious. It's obvious because of the, the pressures that break them. It's obvious of, by, by how quickly they give up and quit. I can tell you haven't given enough nurture and nutrients and attention to the roots. The fruit follows the root. You cannot produce good fruit with bad roots. You cannot produce strong faith if we don't allow the root system to take place. We have to be rooted. We have to be planted. You know, Jesus uses an interesting word here and he says, abide in me. Abide in me. I'm camping on this, this first point because this is the point that we all miss. This is, we want to get to the next stage. We want to get, we, we want to move on and, and get to where we begin producing the harvest and, 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 and we start uh, revealing all uh, that we know God has called us to be. And when we get the job, we get the promotion, we get married, we start having the kids, we start getting the blessings and the problems. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But the problem is, is if we don't allow the plant 
planting to take place. We will not be properly equipped and adequate for the next season ahead. This is the stage where you learn who your God is. This is the stage where your faith is developed and, and, and tested so it can be trusted. This is the stage where, where your, your, your knowledge of the word and knowing him and the power of his resurrection, as Paul said, this is where that takes place. He says, abide in me and I in you. That word abide is the opposite of visit. If you abide somewhere, you live there. It's not something you do frequently. It's something that you do always. We're not talking about occasionally. We're not talking about occasionally being around God, occasionally being in the word, occasionally worshiping him, occasionally being around other believers. It's, it's, it's not what you do occasionally that produces who you are. It's what you do habitually. You have to set yourself to daily be a part. It's amazing that, that we, we want to have minimal investment with the maximum ex expectation. We want to, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to keep on preaching. I might be preaching, I might be the only one getting anything today, but that's all right because I need this just as much as anybody else. How many times do we go through life and we want to pull on something that we've never put in or occasionally do it? But then the very moment I need God, he better be there answering my call. God, I'm knocking, here I am. I didn't need you yesterday. I didn't give you any attention. I was doing all right yesterday. There was enough money in the account yesterday. My wife was treating me all right yesterday. Kids weren't going crazy yesterday. Uh, everything was all right, but, but today's a little nuts. God, are you there? I need you. We have God on call. I heard someone say one time that uh, uh, many people have, got, have given God weekend visitation. Given him visitation rights. He sees us on the weekend and the rest of the time, where's he at? I'm talking about discipline. I'm talking about nurturing something. I'm talking about creating healthy habits and healthy patterns. This isn't to condemn you. This is to help you see that it's what we do occasionally. It's not what we do occasionally, but what we do constantly that will produce the greatest results in your lives. The first place you look when you're not seeing the harvest or you're not seeing the expectation of harvest that you see, the first place you go is to the root, not the fruit. But so many times we only check in on the fruit. We only check in on the level where we see it. That's called symptoms. So I would ask you, are we just simply addressing symptoms? Or are we getting to the root? You can treat symptoms all day long. You'll wear yourself out treating symptoms. Only addressing things on a symptom level. Only addressing things where, the, where you see the fruit. But no, if you really want to change the culture, if you really want to change the habit, if you really want to change the outcome, you've got to get down where no one can see it. You've got to deal with it on the level of the fruit. Amen. So how grounded and rooted you are 
is determined by how invested you are. How grounded and rooted you are is determined by how invested you are. The second stage that we see in this passage, the first stage is planting. The second stage is proving. Proving. Proving the harvest. Proving the harvest. Proving that what has been planted is really there. God wants proof. God wants undeniable, visible proof that what was planted within you is what will come out. Now, if you plant an orange seed, you're going to get oranges. If you plant an apple seed, you're going to get apples. If you, whatever you put in the ground is what is going to come out. Whatever you put in is what is going to come out. If you end up in a trial or a situation that is squeezing you, testing you, or proving you, and whatever, if you have anger come out, if you have fear come out, if you have anxiety come out, uh, then that's because that's what you've put in. Period. That's what you've been putting in. According to the word of God, it's impossible to plant his word and what his word says and to get anything other than his word out when the squeezing comes. According to his word, you would have to call God a liar. You would have to say that seed time and harvest doesn't work in your case, that somehow you are the exception to the rule. But according to the word of God, the seed is what determines the fruit. The fruit only yields according to its kind. So if you want to change the outcome, change the income. Because there will be a proving season. Now, we would call this harvest. This would be the harvest season. This is where we want to go and we want to reap the harvest. But let me tell you something about harvest. Harvest has just as much of a burden with it as it does blessing. If I've learned one thing from living in Valdosta for eight years, I've learned that the harvest time is a lot harder than what I always ever thought harvest time was. Me and, 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 and my background, especially spiritually, we, we love the harvest. We'd pray in the harvest. We'd say, man, I, God, bring the harvest. No, God doesn't bring the harvest. You get the harvest. I said, God doesn't bring the harvest. You get the harvest. Your job is to sow the seed. The seed does its thing all by itself, right? That's what we learned. Somehow it begins to sprout up. But then what do you do when it begins to sprout up and you see the trees full of the fruit that you planted and and the crops full of the, the, the vegetables that you planted? What do you have to do? Go get it. You have to go get it. This is the proofing season. Proof that what was planted is producing. And some people haven't developed the ability to manage the harvest. They planted carelessly. They planted 
uh, uh, you know, thinking that it would just be all joyous and exciting, and it is. It's always exciting to see something produce that you've planted, that you've worked hard to maintain and to water and, 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 and to take care of. But now when it starts coming, is it something you can handle? Can you manage it? I mean, sometimes we meet with husbands and wives that are going through, you know, situations, struggles, challenges. And I know what they're meeting with us about. They, they, they want a healthy marriage. They want a marriage that's restored. They want a marriage where they know that they can trust one another and that, they, that the other person loves them unconditionally and that, 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 that they've got a soulmate that they can do life with. I know what the result is. I know what they're expecting. But the question that I have for them is, could you manage it? Could you handle a husband that is a man of God? Could you, could, do you think that you could handle a wife that is supportive and respects you and believes in you and supports you? Because the harvest has to be managed just as much as the seed. Now, one thing I've learned is that if we don't take care of it in seed form, we'll never take care of it in tree form. You'll, you, if you can't take care of it in its smallest form, you'll never, you'll, you, you, will, you will be unmatched, no match for the tree. Because you thought the seat was bad, try taking care of a tree. No, you've got to be able to manage the harvest. You've got to be able to handle. So this is what happened with the Israelites. Yeah, coming out of bondage and slavery uh, out of Egypt and coming into a promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. Man, that sounds great. That's exciting. That's a harvest. Man, we're believing God. Yes, we're coming out. We've been enslaved here in bondage for over four centuries. Uh, Our fathers and our forefathers going all the way back. This is all we've ever known. We come out, but they could not handle the promised land. They couldn't manage it. They couldn't manage freedom. In fact, this is something that I've learned. Freedom can be such a burden that it will make you desire slavery. I know it's not popular. We just want to pray in the blessing. We just want to pray in the harvest. We just want to pray in that, that healthy, oh man, if, if God could snap his fingers like, like, like Endgame and, and, and just change everything right there at the snap of a finger back to the way you want it or the way that you desire. Because apparently you could just snap your finger and whatever you want to happen can happen if anyone's seen the movie. You got till tomorrow before I start throwing out spoilers and then from there on it's, you're on your own. But then what comes with the freedom? Because there's still battles to be fought. I mean, in slavery, they brought you food. Now you got to go get it yourself. So some people would rather have comfort. Some people would rather have convenience. They'd rather have the comfort of slavery than the burden of freedom. Yeah. It's amazing 
what will become desirable to you when you get out of faith. It's amazing what you will, what will all of a sudden look tantalizing, what will all, all of a sudden seem great when you get into a wilderness where water comes out of a rock. where you're standing before a sea and an army, and if something doesn't happen here, we're dying here. And you have to trust God that he's gonna move and operate and work in your life. And it's all of a sudden amazing that, that being enslaved like we were for the past four centuries is actually better than walking and living by faith. Come on. Yeah, that's the proofing season. I don't know about you, I don't wanna just be blessed with harvest. I want to be able to maintain the harvest. I think I reminded you last week when, the, when Jesus gave the three servants talents. He gave the three servants uh, those seeds. One he gave five, one he gave two, one he gave one. And, 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 and the, the one with five went, he traded with what he had, and he what? Produced five more. But what was the master's response? I've, I've told you before, we misquote it. We say that, you know, the master said, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. And we misquote it. We say you were faithful with little. Now you'll be faithful with much. But if you look at it in Matthew chapter 25, that's not what he says. He says you were faithful with little. Now you will be made ruler over much. You know what ruler means? Ruler means responsibility. See, people want to be in charge until they're in charge. And then you find out what being in charge really looks like. And you find out the responsibilities that come with being in charge. And then you go back and you say, you know what? I was actually okay just taking orders because I didn't have that much to think about. I just had to think about what was in my circle. But now that I'm in charge, I got to think about this circle and that circle and that circle and that circle. And it's more that you are responsible for. See, the proving season where the harvest starts coming in, the fruit starts showing up. Now God's trying to find out what can you be responsible for? What can you handle? What can you manage? What can you take care of? Because you know what his expectation is with 10 talents? 20? You know what his expectation is with four talents? You were faithful with two. Now you're gonna be made ruler over four. But you know what the master's gonna come back and look for? Eight if the pattern shows us anything, he has an expectation of not just what he gave you, not just what's in your possession, but what you can further produce for the kingdom of God. It never stops. How do I know that? Because we get to our third stage. The third stage is pruning. Pruning. In John chapter 15 and verse two, 
He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That means that it never got rooted. They didn't take the time to get rooted, planted, to really grow a firm foundation that they could produce a harvest from. That's what that means. But then he says, in every branch in me that does bear fruit. Anybody want to be the branch that bears fruit? Anybody want to produce a harvest for the kingdom of God? Three people, okay. Got three. So for the three of you that want to produce, this is what he says. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. God isn't just interested in fruit. He's interested in more fruit. God always has an expectation beyond where you're at today. God always has an expectation to grow you from where you're at to where he knows you can be. That's based on the deposit. That's based on the potential. That's based on what he knows the seed is capable of. If you go back to Genesis 1 when he's, and he's creating the planet, he says that the earth will yield, will produce after its kind. And then the seed would be put in the fruit so that it could produce what? More fruit. God is always interested in more. God is not impressed with your production. What I mean by that is, God was impressed with you the day he created you. He'll never be more impressed with you than that day. You can't get stars. You can't check more boxes. You can't get any further in God's love than you are the moment. You can get further in your awareness of God's love and knowing the love of God beyond the shadow of a doubt and knowing how God cares for you and what his grace and mercy can do for you. We're the ones that can grow in it, but God cannot grow in his love for you. He can't say, man, I love you more today than I loved you yesterday. I, I, I love you more uh, uh, I'll love you more in 10 years. If you do this next thing, I'll have more. He, God doesn't grow at that level. You can't impress him with your level of production and your level of maturity and how many times you go to church and how many people you talk to about the kingdom. That does not impress him, but he'll always come back and say, thank you for being faithful with what you have had in your hand. Now here is more, go and produce more with it. So many times we're, we're so busy impressing, we're not spending enough time producing. We're too busy impressing, too busy trying to check the boxes. That's called religion. The Pharisees thought they could impress God with their stuff. You know what you do when you try to impress? You only work on the outside. The Pharisees were whitewashed tombs. And what happens is, is we end up working on the one side that God doesn't even care about. It's not that he's looking at your outer appearance. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. God wants your heart. So now we enter this season of pruning. Pruning because I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with the level of production. I know there's more in me. The only reason God brings pruning, correction, 
discipline into your life, even accountability. The only reason he brings it in is so you can be more productive. God doesn't bring in pruning to beat you down. God doesn't bring in pruning to put you in your place. God doesn't bring in pruning, pruning so that you don't get too big of a head of yourself uh, and, and you don't you know, get too prideful. God doesn't bring pruning in any for any other reason other than to grow you. For your development. For your development. That's how the kingdom operates. Guys, when we avoid or resist the pruning of the word of God, you are resisting growth. You are saying to God, I'm satisfied with my current level of production. I do not desire to go any further with you. This is all I'm willing to give you. If you can't tolerate pruning, you'll never tolerate growth. You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. And this is the thing I have found out in my life is that the pruning from God, the disciplining and the the correcting that the pruning of God doesn't come for the level that I'm at. The pruning from God comes to get me to the next level that I have yet to reach. I do not prune on my current level. I do not prune for the level I'm at today. I cut things off out of my life. I allow God to bring correction, accountability, discipline, whatever into my life because I know of where he's trying to get me, not for where I'm at. And many times people are only willing to allow the level of correction into their lives for the current level of production in their lives. But if you want to really produce more and further for the kingdom, you've got to allow another level of correction, another Another level of accountability. The people you're accountable today will keep you at the level that you're at today. But if you want to grow to the next level, you got to make yourself accountable to people at the next level. I've heard ministers say that they, 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 they want to be the dumbest ones in the room. Meaning that they want to surround themselves with people that have more people, pastored more churches, been in ministry longer, And you can apply this to any level. But here's the thing. The enemy wants to use people that have gone further than you to intimidate you, to keep you stuck where you're at, or to even allow you to draw back. Some of you are intimidated by people that make more money, do more, been alive more, uh, 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 been married longer, have, have had more kids than you. You are intimidated by the very people that God wants to bring into your life to help grow you, equip you, and advance you for the next level. You're intimidated by them. You don't want to talk to someone that has a million dollar budget when you have a hundred thousand dollar budget. You don't want to talk to someone that's got four kids when, 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 when you've got one. You don't want to be around a, a, a couple that has a healthy marriage because you know yours is a wrecking and a mess. But yet those could be the very things that God wants to surround you with to help prune you and grow you and cut some things off and get you to the level you desire to be at. 
So the enemy will use intimidation. I want to tell you this. You'll receive nothing from the kingdom of God without healthy connection. This is just a side note. This one's free. But you'll receive nothing. The kingdom of God operates through connection, through relationship. The opposite of connection is isolation. And people that isolate, people that eliminate the right people around them, people that cut them out, cut themselves off, shut themselves off, uh, uh, remove uh, the, the healthy uh, 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 surroundings and environments. You're cutting yourself off from a supply that God wants to use to get health and productivity to you. I've never seen someone thrive in isolation, never. I've never seen someone thrive by not going to church and eliminating healthy Christian community. I've never seen someone thrive doing it all alone. Sure, there might be a season where you've got to endure and you've got to press through. And I'm also wanting to stress to you today that you've got to choose the right connections because you'll also never grow if you're connected to the wrong things. In fact, God knows this principle so well that he says that if you're connected to him, but you're not healthy and you're not thriving, he will cut you off from him. He will not allow you to attach yourself to his life source if you have no intention of growing and developing yourself. That's what he says. But he also says, without me, you can do nothing. This passage shows us that connection is a valuable piece to your production. What you're connected to determines what you'll produce. You wanna produce life? Get connected to life. You wanna produce joy? Disconnect from anxious people. You wanna produce health? Disconnect from things that produce sickness and death. Whatever you want to produce in your life is directly related to what you connect yourself to. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and um, we'll look at verse one. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before who? Us. My race is not your race. The race that I endure through is not the race you endure through. Therefore, my race has different weights than your race. The weights are directly related to the race. 
Now, sin is sin. Sin is sin across the board. If it's a sin for me, it's a sin for you. If it's a sin for you, it's a sin for me, period. The word of God is clear. The word of God doesn't have certain sins for certain people and, and certain people are allowed to break certain sins. And I'm not getting into that. I'm talking about the things that we cut off, the things we eliminate, the things that we run away from. He says that there are uh, that weights that must be laid aside. And so my weight may not be your weight and your weight may not be my weight. Weights are relative to the race that is set before you. You can put it this way. Weights are relative to your level of responsibility. Weights are related to your level of responsibility. I know in my life that the, when the level of responsibility grew, the more weights that needed to be cut off. I can't take certain things from this stage into the next stage. Whatever that means. This is the pruning that he's talking about. So what? I can produce more fruit. The level of production is determined by the level of pruning. It's the, we, we, we don't want to talk about it. We, we, we want to avoid it. We want to speed up the pruning, the planting season. We manipulate the proving season and then we resist the pruning season. We mess up the whole process but think we can get to the same result. I'm here to tell you today, you cannot do your process and get his result. It doesn't work that way. John 15 clearly outlines the process to production. You allow yourself to be planted, firmly rooted, rooted in the word of God, firmly rooted wherever God has you placed. Don't uproot because you don't like the season. Don't uproot because you think you're doing okay on your own. Don't uproot because you don't like the environment anymore. No, you stay planted, run the race, endure, fight the fight of faith. Then you have the proving season and the proving season is you're collecting harvest. You're going out and you're getting it and then you're developing yourself to be able to maintain and manage the level of harvest that God is wanting to bring into your life. And then even when you begin producing, even when the results are showing up, you allow God to prune, cut off, eliminate, get rid of the weights, the sins, the things that are keeping you from producing more. The thing that I see uh, that as we continue to grow, there will always be something that will try to keep you stuck. You'll never reach a level. Never reach a level in production. Never reach a level in growth. Never reach a level in your walk with the Lord. Never reach a level in your marriage. Never reach a level with your kids. Never reach a level in your business. You will never reach a level where there will not be something resisting your growth. Worship team, if you'd come. God begins with the seed. God has given you seed today. I don't know what it is. Many times the seed is the very thing we resist. Many times the seed is the very thing we reject. Many times we miss the seed because we're looking for the tree. God is wanting to move in your life 
through these past messages. I would encourage you that if you've missed the last four weeks or so to, to get online and hear them. If you've heard them, hear them again, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by having heard. We're all in categories of life, of growth, investment, planting, reaping, harvesting, pruning, whatever season of life you're in today, I would ask you to submit yourself and your life wholly to it. My heart goes out to people that want to resist the process. My heart goes out to people that out of one of these three steps, they're not fully submitted to the work that God wants to do in their lives goes out to people that don't want to become rooted and planted, but want to be tossed to and fro, carelessly chasing the next thing, not selling out, buying in, investing something so that they can make a withdrawal. My heart goes out to people that thought the harvest would look different. They thought that the season of reaping the season, season of production, the season of, of, of blessing would be carefree and careless. But when they found out that the promised land had battles, the promised land had walled cities, the promised land had enemies, they resist and they push back and they say, no, I don't, I don't want that. In fact, I'd rather go back to slavery, please. My heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to people that have seen God move in their lives and begin to operate, but then they, they reach a plateau. They reach a level where God can no longer address issues in their life. God can no longer cut things off. God can no longer have a say. God can no longer work his way in their lives. I don't care if you are five years old or if you're 85 years old in this room. All of us are in a season, in a process of production. Jesus did not come to leave you somewhere. Jesus did not come to put something in you that is too great for you to carry. If it's on you, it's because it's in you. I said, if it's on you, it's because it's in you. If the burden is on you, the blessing is in you to maintain what God has placed in your life. And there's nothing too great, no trial too strong, no challenge too great that you cannot overcome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church Podcast.